Welcome to episode 92 of the Whatnots Review Show, where every week we pick a story and we talk about it. This could be a movie, TV series, anime, manga, comic book, audio show, all kinds of entertainment. We watch it, read it, listen to it, and then we come back here and we talk about it. My name is Melissa Wilkinson, and I am joined, as always, by Kyle Springer. Hello, hello. How is it going, Melissa? It's pretty good. I remember on Friday, we were recording our latest episode of our Captain's Log podcast. We were talking about productivity. productivity. Yesterday, yes. I cleaned and organized my whole pantry. I there put together go. a Goodwill box. I did every dish. Good stuff. How I, about you? I had a very unproductive day yesterday. That's I played good too. video games all day, and it was great. But uh, that is I, productivity for you. I mean, yeah, for me. But <laughs> instead of like cleaning or doing stuff, I was just like, I'm going to take the day for me and not do, do anything it. that I need to do. I'm just going to avoid all responsibility. <laughs> That's productivity for the soul. <laughs> yeah. I got to respect exactly. that too, instead of me like obsessively wiping down every surface in my apartment. Yeah. I do have a busy day today, though. I do need to clean all my dishes and clean my room and stuff like that but i still need to edit all the podcasts and stuff mm. and make sure those go up tonight uh, ah. and we also postponed cross play from yesterday to mm. tonight so i have another podcast to oh. do tonight on top of that so busy day Ooh. it'll be fun though that does sound fun well, we are starting something new here on the review show. Mm -hmm. This is our first episode in a new series we're trying. We're normally, we pick a topic one week, we record about it the next week. So everything we pick has to fit within a one week time span. So when we're talking about a TV show, it's normally season one, maybe seasons one and two, if they're pretty short. And we never get that far in anything. We have the sampler platter kind of approach due to mm -hmm. the format of the show. So now we're trying something where the last Sunday of the month, as we record it, so that may release last week of the month, first week of the month for you, the audience, we are going to be watching a show to completion. Every month we're going to check in with another season or couple seasons until we've actually watched an entirety the of whole something. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was your idea. This was your initiative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, th I thought it was fantastic. I was like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's just go. New we, year, new decade. Let's try something new. Exactly. We, we kind of had something like this back in the day on the Whatnots podcast, where every three months we had a special e e episode where we had read all of something or who knows what. But it was just that one singular thing. Mm. And it was always awkward, like, m making sure Paul had read the thing. It's like, have you read the thing? He's like, oh, yeah, that thing that we're supposed to have read by next week. I'm going to watch all six seasons this week. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, I think this is a little bit more doable yes. uh, to follow along at home and just kind of keep up with things like yeah you don't have to be like oh i have to watch all 18 seasons of law and order oh no <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine the swivel we would take into being a law and order podcast after we do all this genre stuff 
<laughs> one day, Melissa, one day. No robots, okay. no vampires, no ghosts. All law, all order, all the time. <laughs> no, but what are we uh, starting out with? We are starting stuff. out with the Adult Swim cartoon, The Venture Brothers. Mm -hmm. This show started back in 2004. This is a long-running one. Uh, and it aired a season like every two or three years or so. So they've yeah. aired since 2004, seven seasons. Okay, good stuff. So we are starting with seasons one and two, which aired in 2004 and 2006, I think. Yes, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you have on a Venture Brothers t-shirt. Yeah, I got the Monarch logo. There you go. This is a favorite show of mine. This was my absolute favorite thing in college. Like, this show got me through college. I watched those DVDs <laughs> constantly. But it had been a while, like, since I'd sat down and wanted to re-watch it, because there is so much of it, and there's a lot... There's a surprising amount of mythology that it develops, and when season mm -hmm. seven came out, I'm like, I need to... I want to rewatch the previous six seasons. Like it's time for me to re up on all of this and then I'll sure. watch season seven. And I hadn't gotten to it yet. And I'm like, why not make this a podcast project? Yeah. And I, I think it's going to work perfectly. I have never seen this show. So this is the first time that I am watching it. Um, it's going to be interesting to talk about. I, I've seen this cartoon nonstop, just like on my radar yeah uh people i know watch it love it they think it's fantastic uh i kind of grew up on adult swim and mm -hmm. cartoon network and stuff like that but this is just one that i just never got into uh for whatever reason uh i guess back then i, I was more like show me dragon ball z show me <laughs> gundam show me yu yu Hakusho. give me the animes and and then this was like, this is not anime. I don't want this. <laughs> so who knows? But uh, here we are. I have now yeah. watched seasons one and two of Venture Brothers. The Venture Brothers. I, I, I always like to leave off the the. It is formally the Venture Bros, period. Abbreviated. Period. Yes. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Okay. So take me back. Yes. To, I guess, college days, which is when you first watched it. What, yeah. What, how did you discover this show? I also grew up on Adult Swim. I think I remember the first night Adult Swim ever came on. I just happened to be staying up late that night. And I'm like, what is this magical <laughs> new world? I was like 10 or 11 years old. Yeah. So I'd yeah. seen bits of this show around and I got what it was. It's a... Uh, it starts as a Johnny Quest spoof, basically. Mm -hmm. It's spoof of Johnny Quest and a, a little bit of Scooby-Doo and the, all these other, like, retro yesteryear kind of kids' adventure sci-fi cartoons. And that's what I thought it was. It's just like a spoof comedy show. And then uh, I'm in college, and I have this little college TV that doesn't get many channels, but it does get Cartoon Network. So I'm watching a lot of Adult Swim. Like, it's always on in the background while I'm just staying up studying just so that I have that background noise. Sure. And I'd never really watched the show. I'd caught an episode or two of it. But I noticed, it's going to be hard to talk about this without spoiling it. At that time, season four was airing. Okay. And there had, and I could tell 
that there had been a major event that had happened in like the previous season. And now this season was dealing with the fallout from it. And I was realizing Interesting. these are real emotions here. Like I thought this was just this goofy comedy show. There's something actually going on here. Like there's real pathos. I'm okay. intrigued by this. And then I happened to be at Best Buy and I found like the season one DVD like on sale. And I'm like, yeah, I'll buy this. I'll check this out from the beginning. And then I started from the beginning and it where it is more jokey, but I knew where it was eventually going to go. And I'm like, what a journey the show takes. <laughs> oh, yeah. and I just really got into it. I latched onto it. That's that's kind of what I've always heard is mm. is is like this show is really funny and it seems like that's all it is mm. but there is this like underlying story that they end up making yeah all, all the characters that's actually really good um i, I remember there's a, another podcast that i used to l listen to and one of the hosts of that like that it was also one of his favorite shows so he was always referencing it and always being mm. like oh it's like this one thing that they do in that yeah. and it's really great you should check it out mm. uh, and then i was just like i one day yeah one day i need to um so good good i'm excited to see where this ends up um yeah let's do you 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 kind of touched on the like elevator pitch yeah let's let's do a synopsis for like uh I, I guess season one? Yeah. How, how do we want to tackle this? Because this is going to be a different thing of like, hey, at, at the end of every month that we're covering the same show, we don't mm. necessarily need to do a synopsis yeah. for the show again. Do we do like a synopsis for season one and season two? Well, let's start with the basic premise of the show beyond like these are the things it's sure. inspired by and what its style is. So the titular Venture Brothers are these tw uh, teen twin boys named Hank and Dean, and their dad, Dr. Rusty Venture, is the super scientist. And they live this incredibly sheltered life. It's them on the Venture compound, which is all these laboratories and bases and things, just them and their mm -hmm. dad and their bodyguard, Brock Sampson. You know, that kind yeah. of classic, like, Johnny Quest formula of two kids, scientist dad and bodyguard. Yeah. And... Uh, their dad, their grandfather had been this more classic, like, you know, uh, Dr. Quest, like super scientist, like real smooth, like great action hero. And their dad had real grown up man's as this. Man. man. Yeah. He can do science. He can do adventure. He can do action. Yeah. He can do all the ladies. Yes. Right. And so their dad had grown up as this boy adventurer following dad around. And then it. You know, grandpa died and he had to step up and become the new super scientist leading this family company. And he's not good at it. <laughs> so he's just this like bitter, sickly, jaded adult with this boy adventurer past that's still trying to like rejuvenate things. And he's still going on all these globe trotting sci fi adventures and dragging his sons along with him. And it's just like yeah. repeating this cycle of like, I'm trying to look cool and do these sciencey things. And my poor kids have like, they have no idea what the outside They're world just is. Complete idiots. <laughs> like they know, like they've been on all of these great adventures. They're in the Sargasso Sea. You know, they've been to like the deserts of Mexico, but like they've never been to high school. 
They have no socialization <laughs> skills. So it's these wide-eyed, innocent boys just following this jaded adult and their like really aggressive family bodyguard around. And they run into all of these supervillains. And Dr. Venture's number one arch nemesis is a butterfly-themed villain called the Monarch, who hates Dr. Venture. Like he is his number one arch enemy and like nobody knows why. And Dr. Venture like doesn't really care about him, but there's the monarch time after time trying to break him down. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that about covers it. And like you said, it is a bunch of spoofs on Johnny quest on the Goonies on Doctor Strange on Scooby-Doo yeah. on lots all of Marvel sorts of comics in here. Yeah. yeah. Like there's like there's... a fantastic four team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's also got this like mid century look to everything because it's inspired by like these 60s, 70s cartoons. So everything is really stylized to that era. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting show to watch because it was one of the ones that I think was like right before the high d- definition stuff. So yeah. season one, you can tell is like it's in four three. It's kind of not in, in mm. HD and stuff like that. But then it's pretty much by the end of season one, they've already gotten into HD. I think the f- f- finale was was HD. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. so it's like oh okay, sixteen by nine, great. <laughs> High yeah. definition. I could actually see the lines. There's not like two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a really cinematic show. Some more behind the scenes stuff that I think is helpful to know is that this whole show, uh, the creator's name is Jackson Public. And him and he's this other like writer creative partner named Doc Hammer. The two of them do the whole show. Name. They, <laughs> they're both stage names. <laughs> so they're, they write everything there's one episode that is not written by either of them and it's written by ben edland creator of the tick which is where jackson public got his start he used to work on the tick that's why patrick warburton is in this yeah (laughs) so everything is done by these two guys and like they also do like half the voices on the show too this is part of the reason why the show takes so long to produce is because it's such a small team Mm mm-hmm but it gives the show this really like consistent, intimate feel where like yeah. there's all these really tight running jokes and things like that. And lots of like extended dialogue scenes of just one character bouncing off another character because it's just like the direct portrayal of these two guys working with each other and goofing off with each other. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's got kind of a different feel than a lot of other shows because of that background. Now, I have another yeah. question when you were pitching this to me i think behind the scenes we might have mentioned it on mm-hmm. the retrospective or something but you you were mentioning something to me about the pilot yes so this show all of it's on hulu and when you go to hulu the first episode listed it's called the terrible secret of turtle bay that's actually the pilot episode that wasn't a part of the regular like season one episode order like mm-hmm. adult swim aired it but it aired it considerably before season one the whole season one started airing sure and it's like it looks weird it feels weird like it's a a much more rougher draft of what the venture brothers is going to be and i think it's interesting once you already know the show but i don't think it's a great introduction to the show if you haven't seen it before 
like it's not in as part of the episode order on the DVDs. It's like an extra. So I don't okay. know why it's the first thing they would try and give to an audience. So this is just my word to you. Like start with Dia de los Dangerous, get a little bit farther, then try going back to the terrible secret of Turtle Bay. I think that's how it's best enjoyed. Okay. Good advice that yeah. I did not take. I went in knowing you had told me this mm. and like this first one is very rough. Don't expect it to be what the rest of the show will be. So I was like, all right, I, I, at least knowing that, mm. I feel like I'm fine and uh, I, 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 I can just start with that with the like, hey, this is kind of what they pitched yeah like hey here's a family here's some antics like it still has the same formula yeah it's it's yeah it's 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 not like it's not it's not the start of a show per Mm -hmm. se or what you would want to start it on yeah yeah it's just a proof of concept yeah exactly Mm -hmm. cool um I guess we are going to do what we normally do, get into a little bit of housekeeping, uh, and then we will get into spoilers. So, our website, thewhatnots.com, is where you can find out more about us and our shows. Uh, We have multiple podcasts that we think you should check out, like Crossplay, the shirt that I'm (laughs) wearing here. There you go. Um... So if if you like what we do, patreon.com slash the whatnots is where you can support us uh, for as little as a dollar a month. Yeah. You guys can also get exclusive episodes at the $3 tier. Uh, and we would also like to give a big shout out to our patrons at the $5 tier. So thank you, Sam. And thank you, Christine, for helping us keep the mics on. Thank you. We also have... A merch store, as, as mm-hmm. you saw, just saw me modeling this shirt, if you're watching the YouTube v- v- version. Uh, the whatnots.com slash store is where you can pick up some merch. Uh, there's all so- sorts of stuff on there. Uh, let's see. We j- just recorded a Patreon exclusive yeah. episode of the Captain's Log in which we did a fantasy movie draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa, this was your initiative as well. Uh, This was my concept. Yeah, we were all going to pick non-franchise movies and build a cinematic universe out of them. Like, they had all been designed to fit together from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Think of making your Uh, own Avengers team. It was a lot of fun, and Ignacio, who is one of our uh, uh, other co-hosts, um, He's on the show Crossplay with me. Uh, he joined us for that one, and that was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, he had a good theme. You had a good theme. I ended up with a theme that I yes. was not planning. <laughs> it was good, though. It, it, it was good. It was fun. You guys should check it out. Uh, once more, that's patreon.com slash the whatnots. Our website is the whatnots.com. Uh, yeah. I think that's about it for housekeeping. Go like, share, Mm -hmm. subscribe, sell your soul, do all that (laughs) fine stuff. But with that, let's get in to spoilers. Yes. Perfect. Here we are in the spoiler zone. So now that you have started watching the show and you have already committed to watching all seven seasons of it, 
How do you feel? Do you regret that decision? No, I don't. Good. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, I, this would be bad news. Yeah, M- Melissa, this show was awful. Why <laughs> would you even like this? Uh, no. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's good. I, I'm enjoying it. I don't think I'm fully into it yet. Mm. If that makes sense. Because it is one of those things that, like, I know this is leading somewhere, and they've started to sow those seeds, especially with, like, the whole, uh, like, relationship status of the monarch and him being married and having this big ceremony. Like, that was a big event at the end of season two. And so I know Mm. that, like... Things are going to continue to develop, and I'm excited to see where it continues to go. Mm. Uh, I think overall, though, I like, yeah, I'm I'm still not as invested as I would have hoped to be. Mm. It's still good. I still enjoy. Yeah, it. I know. I I think it does take a little while to get going, and mm-hmm. to I think it's like. On this Johnny Quest, like, comedy adventure spoof premise, I think it succeeds immediately. But it takes a little while for it to become more of its own thing. Right. And to develop this larger mythology and these stronger, like, character arcs that you watch develop. Yeah. This, it really reminds me of someone just playing with action figures and just making up their own story. They have a... Fred from Scooby Doo, and they have Doctor Strange, and that you know they're all like, and like, yeah, that's it. That's the show, and and yeah, it like it's fun to see that immediately. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, he looks exactly like Fred from Scooby Doo. How are they? How are they getting away with this? Like uh, just, I, it's just a blonde teen with a, with a blue neckerchief. Yeah. <laughs> Going back on the show, I, I realize how Marvel heavy it is. Like we've got Dr. <laughs> Orpheus, who is Dr. Strange. We have the impossible yeah. family who are the, um, uh, the fantastic, fantastic four. four. The, <laughs> like there's, Oh, there's Jefferson twilight. Who's blade, but also uh-huh. like blackula. He's like, yeah. I'm a Blackula hunter. Like, there's no way to PC that up. Like, I, I hunt black vampires. I hunt Blackulas. You want African-American <laughs> vampires? Well, no, sometimes I go to England. African-American, that's not something I have over there. I hunt Blackulas. It's okay. You can say that. <laughs> like, really preposterous mashups like that. I think it takes until, like, several seasons in for them to get a DC-inspired character. Like, it's yeah, got this whole, well, like, comic book background to it. But rewatching this thing, knowing more about comic books now, I'm like, oh, this is so Marvel so heavy. Ma- 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 Marvel. The only DC thing I see is uh, Hank's PJs. He's Aquaman. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, what's his what's his brother's name? Dean. He's Dean. Spider-Man. He has the, <laughs> the Spider-Man I love their, their mismatch. I, I kind of want those ones. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 good. I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, I yeah I, I I think it works as kind of a sketch comedy. Kinda yeah. So if if that makes sense of of it's oh boy it's very similar to the robot chicken uh formula, mm. but in an animated 
way and a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, like there is a story there that they are following. But within the story, you do get these bits that are like these set apart sketches, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Or or you, you could see how certain jokes and certain punch lines that they're setting up could just be like one smaller skit. It's like, uh-huh. okay, they're, they're stringing this thing out for a while, for better or for worse. Mm. Um, and yeah, like, I, it's, I, I like it. I'm enjo- enjoying it. I see how it, it could be a perfect show to just have on in the back. Yeah. Go around, like you mentioned, like, I just had this on. And then mm. one day looked up and was like, oh, they're dealing with the ramifications of something that happened in a season before yeah huh. in- in- interesting um but here so okay here's what i'm most interested to find out where okay. this show go or at, at least what i was most in- interested in these first two seasons mm. I-, I think the big piece of lore that really uh woke me up uh-huh. so to speak uh, i think especially in season one it really sticks to we're just mashing together yeah. these action figures but at the end of season one yes they kill hank and dean <laughs> and i vaguely remember seeing either a clip of the show where that happens or an advertisement or a commercial or something like i vaguely remember that yeah um but yeah i like i was like huh okay like i understand this is a cliffhanger they're not dead because i know they're in seasons after this Mm. what are they doing like what are they yeah up to to here and that was the first thing that i felt like really invested in um and then there's an episode in season two that I really enjoy- enjoyed where a knockoff Scooby gang y- yes! uh, comes in. and, and That's the Ben and, Edlund did, did, episode. Yeah, it, it's a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but yeah, it, it did feel really different, but it's it's ridiculous, I think, in the right ways. I, I, I was actu- actually describing that uh to to someone and i was like yeah so there's this like knockoff scooby-doo gang and they stumble upon the venture compound uh and they see their neighbor the dr strange knockoff dr orpheus and so Mm -hmm. they think he's a vampire and so they go like hunting for vampires but at the same time dr venture is working on uh (laughs) resurrecting a like monarch uh bad g- 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 guy yeah, so there's this like zombie thing yeah he's frankensteining together a bunch of dead henchmen yeah and so like and and they're like what the hell is going on there's there's dracula there's frankenstein and then there's this big reveal that uh the i, f- I forget his name the shaggy knockoff yeah ran into hank and dane uh in like peru or you know who knows yeah where and they killed them and so to see hank and dean again they're like it's ghosts we're seeing ghosts <laughs> and it and they're just like the whole the whole scooby gang is mm. is like uh 
Haggy is all like on meth or something. Yeah. Scooby can talk, but he only talks to him. And so yeah, it's he's like, like a son of the Sam dog can thing. Talk, talk. And no one no. believes him. <laughs> Velma is this like chain smoking extremist feminist on on, like we need to kill all the men and like and it's just like what in the world Daphne is this like male order Russian basically like she's a Patty Hearst like she's been kidnapped and she's like are you guys gonna let me go home well like I'll go along with you for right now but yeah, well, you've said I could go visit my parents for like the last three years, and then uh, the Fred of the group is like oddly a serial killer. Like he's just that like gets oddly dark, and like I'm holding all of you hostage, but we're still gonna go on adventures. It's just it's crazy. I love that they're still doing the Scooby-Doo classic cartoon sound effects for, like, yeah. everything that's happening, even if it is, like, really grim. It's so wild. And then, but that, I, I'm mentioning all of this is because mm-hmm. they eventually chase Hank and Dane into a room in the compound that they haven't been in. Yeah. And this is where they keep the clones. Yes. And... Hank and Dean finally realize that they're clones. We knew this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had the the whole the whole thing ex- explained, but they ha- haven't. And they still don't know. And they're they're finding out by finding them. And they just go in into shock and like shut down and it just like more chaos ensues, but it's just like huh they're actually starting to continue this story here. I yes. I like that. Tell me more, please. Um, so I I I really enjoyed that one. That's especially that is one of my favorite elements of the show. That Doctor Venture has repeatedly been cloning his kids every time yeah. they die, and there's a whole montage in like the season two premiere of like. 12 times the they've times died they've died yeah <laughs> and that's kind of why he seems so like jaded and careless is that he knows like well if these boys die i can get new ones I and they get, sleep yeah. in these learning beds where like they go to sleep in these pods <laughs> and the pods like program in like they're like subliminally playing like educational videos at them all night yeah. to implant in their brains and this is why the boys don't go to school but those also record their memories so every set of clones has you know most of the memories of the real living Hank and Dean from the previous mm-hmm. time. So this is why he's so, he seems careless, but it's also like, oh, you love your boys so much. You refuse to let them die in any form. Like it's yeah. twisted mad scientist love, but it's a form of love. And then when the boys do stumble upon this clone lair, like he knows he has to do something about it so he's like up you boys you spoiled your christmas present i was gonna surprise you a whole army of yourselves for christmas that would look up to you and follow your orders and think you were cool well boys i'll just have to come up with a better surprise (laughs) and it's like it's so smarmy but there is this level of like care there like Mm -hmm. this this is what I love of this bitter dad who like see he's always complaining, is so jaded, is so bitter, but like 
there's something there and every once in a while it breaks through or you see it even though you're not being overtly told like this it's not a clear read of this is something he does because he loves his boys it's all wrapped up in this mad scientist like you know super science corporation insanity but it's like those boys are his life he's bad at expressing it but he will always watch out for them he always like he can't live without them in some form Mm -hmm. Um, so the next thing that I kind of want to mention, and this is kind of building on my theory of where the show is going, um, but I, I want to talk a little bit. I don't have too much to Mm -hmm. say, but, uh, Rusty Ventures, like clone brother thing that's there. I don't, I don't know his name. Oh, JJ. Jonas Venture Jr. So he, like, throughout season one, Dr. Venture, like, he'll have these weird nightmares of, like, he's back in the womb when there's another one of him attacking him. And then in the season (laughs) one finale, it turns out that he has this, he, like, absorbed a twin in the womb, but this twin has, like, continued to grow to adulthood, and it, like, bursts out of him, and it's this small, you know, he's, like, two feet high, like, one of his arms never formed right, but he's, like, a full adult, and he's, like, it's time for me to, (laughs) like, I've broken out, it's time for me to take my place on the throne as the other venture son. I deserve some of this legacy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting gag because it also throws a t- a twist on the Venture Brothers name. Yeah, like well, now it's kind of about them. It's like it's it's about the father who we thought was an only child, mm-hmm. uh, but is maybe not. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> and, and and so yeah, like I I I like seeing where that is going to even though i think that may be one of the least interesting things um that i thought of season one and two like of Mm -hmm. of the things that i wanted to know more of that was i think least on i want to know about it but it's not a priority for me sure yeah um but i do like seeing that he is the more calm more rational more just like well, we can actually get this stuff done if we're actually smart, uh, but like we don't yeah. need to be this dumb like, he, uh, about things. It's like Rusty Venture has never lived up to his dad's legacy, but then out pops this weird little brother he didn't know he had, and he <laughs> is. He is absolutely yeah. the living image of Jonas Venture Sr., and yeah. like that's also why he's so upset about it, and he's so much more successful than he is. He has a whole island. Yep. He's dating Sally Impossible, <laughs> which we'll 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 talk about the Impossibles mm-hmm. in a bit. But but yeah, so that kind of adds a little bit to my theory. The next thing that I want to talk about that mm-hmm. also adds is. Monarch, yes. I so you I, like we mentioned at, at the top. You have a monarch T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. He is obviously like the main villain of of this show, or one of them, right? Mm. Um, but he's 
kind of inept. He's not (laughs) very capable. He doesn't really know what he's doing, Mm. but he's, it's just the like old school, like I am here to do villainy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because even though he's not necessarily smart and other villains around him might be smarter. He yeah. still feels like he's surrounded by idiots. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Which is like I think the the best possible joke you can yeah, make. Yeah, like that. Just make him the <laughs> idiot feel like he is surrounded by idiots. <laughs> he messes up so much. Like he. Like, he, none of his plans go well, but it never breaks his confidence. Like, he's always convinced he's right. And yeah. if he just tries again, he's like, well, I'll get the henchmen to work harder this time. And, you know, record, record our last attack. We'll watch it again. We'll figure out what we did wrong. We're going to get yeah. different weapons. Like, he plots all this out and he's like, well, next time I'm going to do it. I am going to destroy Dr. Venture. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> but something I noticed... Uh, which don't spoil it if it is or if it's not, but he has the same nose as Rusty Venture. He has the same beard at like the, the like the, <laughs> the, the same shape hair of color, it. The, yeah. Yeah. It's the same hair color. It's the same shape. He has the same no, no, nose. His eyebrows, they're ex- extended to make it look more like the Enchanta, but they're the same. <laughs> and so I'm wondering if he's like a long lost brother or just we haven't heard about it yet or if he's a cologne or if he is the real son of of uh of well, what was his name I forget the dad's name sure um and like if he's the 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 real son and Rusty is the cologne who knows? And that's why he's also kind of j- 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 jaded of, 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 of just like, I wasn't the one that was loved or who knows mm-hmm. what. Um, I thought that was odd. It was just like, huh. no, I what you're saying is absolutely understandable and valid. And I have also thought about these points. I'll say that. Much. There you go. Yeah. So you are, you are not alone in this. theory. Yes. Uh, that down the road, that will somehow be explored. There is mm. m- more kind of familial ties yeah. happening here. But that's all well and dandy. What, <laughs> like, it, when you were finally going back to watch season one and two, what was going on in your mind? Because like, you, you kind of knew where it ended up. Um, mm. Or at least at the time, yeah. Time, but what was what was changing about your thoughts on that show, or what 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 were you thinking? I was a little surprised that some of the things I thought were like like foundational bits of the show took a little while to develop, like the two henchmen, okay. henchman twenty one sure. and henchman twenty four. They're like I, this. I think they're my favorite characters. <laughs> they're, they're fantastic. They're this kind of like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Like they're aware that they're henchmen and how preposterous everything that they're doing is, but also like they are career henchmen. Like this is their life. They don't know how to do anything else. Yeah. When the monarch needs them, there they'll be. Like they're not there. It takes them until like seven or eight episodes in, and they're just like they're just like sort of an amorphous pool of henchmen. 
And it takes a little while for us to pick these two out. Like these are the poster children of the henchmen and a little while for Mm -hmm. them to get like, uh, they're henchmen 21 and 24. And eventually we find out that 21's real name is Gary. And I don't think we ever find out 24's name. And we get like little glimpses into their, their private lives and their backstories. I was surprised that wasn't like from episode one, part of the formula of the show. They have some really funny moments of, of <laughs> just they're so what, good. They're, one of my you favorite can't not love them. One of my favorite lines in the whole series comes from Twenty Four, where they're about to go into a battle, and he says, "We're gonna get our asses kicked. We didn't have a breakfast." <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's like, one of those pairs of no. Go ahead. I, 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 I was just going to say, I think one of my favorite mo- mo- moments is when they are trying to recruit new yeah. henchmen <laughs> and they're like out at the park doing some like outreach thing. Yes. And he's like pretending to evangelize to yeah. another, to, like to like one, uh, of like one of them's pretending to just be a random passerby on the street. Yeah. And he's like, and we can turn your life around and we'll give you all sorts of benefits and stuff like that. And it's great. And here's why you should join. He's like speaking really loudly. And he's like, yeah, tell me more. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's throughout the series. There will always be a pair of characters and one of them is Doc Hammer and one of them is Jackson Public. So the henchmen are one of those pairs. Those the Guild of Calamitous Intent who's like the villa it's like the villainy union there's yeah. like two like point men they almost seem like they're the customer service reps for the guild <laughs> like those pair of guys is doc and jackson uh the monarch and doctor girlfriend is doc and jackson and yeah. my favorite my favorite characters in the whole series billy quizboy and pete white or another one of those pairs. I fantastic. <laughs> I love them. Another my favorite episode by far out of season one is Tag Sale You're It, which is when Dr. Venture just has a garage sale of like old gadgets and yeah. all of the villains and all of the heroes like come into his lawn. And it's all these heroes talking about like, well, that's a villain I'd like to arch. Like, this is the bane of Dr. Venture's existence. He hates having all these supervillains. But, like, Dr. Orpheus is like, oh, just having somebody despise you all the time? I don't know. I think it sounds kind of romantic. I wish I had that. And Billy and White are these, like, even lower than Dr. Venture. They're also these kind of kooky oddball scientists. And they're trying to, like, pitch themselves to Dr. Girlfriend. Like, she's going to be their new nemesis. They're like... Well, you know, Billy here, you know, he was a trivia genius as a child and he's got this robot hand. (laughs) They're pitching themselves and Pete White just says, I'm an alpino. (laughs) 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 Like they're just designed to look as weird as possible. And like they have all of these affectations and you don't understand why they're always together and how they know each other and how they know Dr. Fincher or why they're there. But those two keep developing and developing. You get their backstory episode, like a couple episodes into season three. Okay. You also get the Monarch and Dr. Girlfriend's backstory episode. That's like the season three premiere. Like gotcha. there's yeah, that would all these makes sense. There's all these characters that are designed to just be like, they look weird. They sound weird. They're just oddballs. 
and that but everybody has got this really sincere backstory to them like these mm-hmm. creators like they're making up all these goofy characters but they know who all of these people are like they know their backstories they know what they want they know like who they know else out in this universe and like who they play against and who their enemies are like the, yeah. everything is so even the people you see just for a flash are like really rich it might take forever to get to their backstory, but there's something there. Like also in the yard sale episode, you see there's this guy, uh, he has like, <laughs> like this weird Beatles haircut and little round glasses and this pink suit. It's a short round little guy. And he's looking at a stack of magazines, magazines. And he's like, Hey, nudie bags. You remember that guy? <laughs> yeah. He's on screen for like two seconds. He comes back as a major villain in season five. We've not seen anything from him since then. He's in like two seconds of a season one episode. And then in season five, he comes back to be a major player. Yeah. Like that's, I I think that is the thing I'm looking forward to the most is like Mm -hmm. them starting to build their own lore and, and and which they've, they've absolutely started to do that stuff, but just uh, for them to really, really, I, I I don't want to say lean less on the like retro tropes mm. of all the cartoons that they're pulling from, because um, I think they do that really well. Well, but I like I want to see them do it in new ways and with yeah. their own characters, um, and not be like, oh, there's the Scooby Gang, there's the Fantastic <laughs> Four, like I. Now that they're in there, they've started to develop their own uh, stories behind them, Mm -hmm. which which I like. I like a lot, and I want more of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I got the joke of the, like, Fantastic Four family, the impossible family, which is pretty much just the like it's the fantastic horror but with the the outfits of the incredibles which i think was this is probably before the incredibles i think the incredibles came out in like 2005 it might be well it might be around the exact same yeah yeah maybe it was depending on when this was being made who knows um but yeah, it's a really similar logo, but except they're all in like purple mm-hmm. in, instead. But yeah, like it's one of those things. It's like, okay, I get the joke. It's a knockoff fantastic. F- yeah. And then my favorite thing is once they finally escape, it's like, uh, 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 okay, now the invisible woman is dating the like usurped twin of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rusty venture like once they escape and start making their own lives and their own relationships and stuff like that that is the stuff that i really like to see mm-hmm. in this or or even the like back and forth of like who is dr girlfriend um or whatever her name is like who is she gonna be with monarch is she gonna be with the like phantom knockoff <laughs> uh 
uh, like, <laughs> what's happening say, there? If you're listening to this episode and you've never seen the Venture Brothers, they have a character called Phantom Limb, who is a man with invisible arms and legs. They're there. They're just invisible. So he's just yeah. like a torso floating around, but he's animated as if like his shoulder blades are <laughs> attached to like walking. arms yeah. that are moving. It's, it's a great yeah. concept. And he is somebody who does keep coming back as a foe. Yeah, he's, You do learn more about good him. He's a villain because he's, he's a villain for everyone. Yes. Like, it's not just like, hey, you're a villain, I'm a villain, let's go be villains together against mm-hmm. Dr. Venture. It's, it's, it's not like, I'm a villain, I don't like all of you. Like, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like anybody. I don't like you, anybody the monarch. Except for Dr. Girlfriend, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah, like, I, 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 I like that stuff a lot. So, hopefully... One- Dr. Girlfriend gets her, her own too. Yeah. We she she never stops being one of the major characters of the show. She drives a lot of what happens the farther Good. we get into it. Cool. One of my my favorite episode of season 2 is Victor Echo November, which is the one where everybody winds up at the same restaurant on a series of dates. So it's yeah. Hank and Dean and then Dr. Orpheus's daughter, Triana and one of her friends. And then another table is this awkward double date between uh phantom limb and Dr. Girlfriend who he's dating right now and the monarch and a girl he met on live journal. <laughs> and he also brought the henchman with him and he made the henchman sit oh at the bar God, live journal. <laughs> I was on Live Journal when I was watching this this series. Thankfully, I never was, but I yeah, I I know that era well. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's um, like Billy Quizboy comes up in conversation at some point, and like everybody is this theory of like we're like no, I heard from somebody like that's how we got the robot arm, and it also has something to do with why. Uh, phantom limbs limbs are invisible yeah. like it goes around and everybody is a different version of i heard this no 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 like there was in this experiment that went wrong and somebody else is like no it was this experiment that went wrong in this other way and it goes around and around and like the last beat of the episode uh then we actually see billy Quizboy, and he's helping dr venture with something and dr mm-hmm. venture's like so how'd you get that robot arm and the last line of the episode is billy saying oh yeah i have no idea how i got this Smash cut credits were over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um did did you have a favorite cameo? Cuz again, this show relies a lot on visual gags of like, yeah. oh, there's Scooby in the gang. Or there's the <laughs> Fantastic Four. Who what was your favorite one? <laughs> This isn't a cameo, but I do love the pirate ghost captain, who is like a classic a Scooby-Doo yeah. type of type of villain, where he's like a guy pretending to be a pirate ghost to like scare people away from these waters. But mm-hmm. then that scheme is over, and he has to figure out how to keep living when he's been a pirate ghost for so long. Yeah, <laughs> and he just like well, doesn't know what know to do else. with his life. He's like, I don't have career skills. Like being a pirate ghost is everything I know. He's kind of like the henchman, where he's mm-hmm. just like he's a career pirate now. Yeah, but not like a modern 
day one, he's just like an old school, like, I arg, I'm a ghost pirate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if he he sticks around. Like he just pops up every once in a while. I don't remember if he ever gets mm-hmm. a name. I think they do always just refer to him as yeah, pirate captain. <laughs> That's great. Um, I think, I think one of my favorite ones is when Johnny Quest yes, shows yes. up and he's like stuck in in the ship and they open it up and he's like now 30 years old he's like cracked out on something mm-hmm. and he, it like that's really the only t- time you see him or at least we've seen him in seasons whoa one and two mm. but it's yeah it, it, it it's just one of those really like it's a stupid moment but it's one of the moments that this show heavily r- relies on, like this type of joke. Mm-hmm. But I like it because it came and went. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was it, and then it's g- gone. It's not like he's a recurring character. It's a, it's a recurring thing that he's still stuck down there, and we're just going to go, like, deliver him food <laughs> or something he, every so often i will say he does show up at least one more time there's an episode with like a support group for former like boy heroes and there's like these okay. hardy boys types and like a robin sure. type in there there you go yeah i liked that one though a, a lot that that was a good good one um mm-hmm. i i also, uh, again, I don't remember her name. Uh, the invisible woman, knockoff Sally Impossible. Sally Impossible. She can make her skin go invisible. <laughs> yeah, that's Just it. Like, completely useless because now all you see is this like walking musculature. <laughs> yeah. And, and it like it turns out being this like. I mean, I, I I guess all of the except for uh, Mister Impossible, they're all mm-hmm. more like horror yes, versions yes. of the characters. Like, like the huge. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say like the Human Torch guy. Like he feels the flames, and they yeah. have to keep him in a hyperbaric chamber, like away from any oxygen. Where no Otherwise, oxygen. he will just burst into flames and scream. Yeah, he's just like. Ah! <laughs> it's so good mm-hmm. and then um the thing he's more uh he, he's more of he, he is more of this like misunderstood monster of, yeah, of he's, the thing like he's not he's not the normal ben gurim that we know who can think and it just is no no normal except that He's this giant rock thing. Mm. He is this giant rock thing that is uh, maybe not mentally all the way there. I'm not sure yeah. how, how to say yeah. that exactly. Yeah. Um, but, He's got kind of yeah. this like Lenny from Of Mice and Men type of character. Where sure. he's sweet and he means well, but he has, but now he is preposterous like superhuman strength. Yeah, but but like... Because he's, again, for lack of better terms, he's not all there mentally. Like, he mm-hmm. maybe seems like he's more of a child yeah. uh, than he, he is. Um, 
like he he comes across more of a monster because he ends up moaning and saying just like ah, i don't know yeah, it, it, yeah it's just like it it's it's a more tragic thing which is i, yes. I think of a like horror trope where like mm-hmm. the monster is this misunderstood yeah. thing he's not actually a mon like he's the one that's mm-hmm. like oh he's he's just misunderstood and like you, if you mm-hmm. get to know him he's actually fantastic no yeah. pun intended <laughs> you know um but yeah i i i i like that stuff i just i really like when they get away from mm. that stuff it's like cool you've introduced the joke have them go on their own and do things yeah yeah i think the show is good at that at having characters that are this initial like great gag but also are fully realized rich people. I think the show does a great job of having very deep characters and also just a ton of characters. There's just so many people in the show and they get more and more. And it's this revolving door of like all these characters like popping up, like, I didn't think we'd see that guy again or, oh, you're back or I didn't know you two knew each other. And like, they're always around. Like my favorite episodes are the ones where there's just like, too many of these people in one place together. This is why I love the double date episode and the yard sale yeah. episode. Yeah. I love the full house conditions that the show puts itself under sometimes. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic. I think, uh, I, I, I think my favorite episode of season one had to have been the season finale just because mm-hmm. I like the cliff hanger. Um, but I don't know. It's like season two actually has, like in my mind, season two was a lot better than yes. season one because now it could start to build mm-hmm. on all of that mythology. But yeah, I like the Scooby Doo one. Mm-hmm. I really like the one where they hire all the new henchmen, and it's it's just a bunch of like street thugs and yeah. they like don't listen to authority and everything goes mm. wrong um yeah there's just there's so many good ones in season yeah two. i i will say kind of the middle of season two i started to tune out a little bit oh every now and oh. then the episodes, the way they're ordered on Hulu is different than the way they were ordered on my DVDs. Interesting. Like, there's no real major changes, because a lot of these are just sort of adventure of the week sort of episodes. But, like, yeah. in season two, like, you see briefly, like, uh, Triana Orpheus talking with her friend Kim. And later is the episode where we, like, really meet her friend Kim and it doesn't not make sense but it is weird that they put them in that order instead of okay first is the double date episode and then later is the episode where like you know Kim and Triana come by to see if they can use the venture pool yeah it's just little things like that that kind of put the show out of order I'm gonna have I wonder why they did that I don't know like, I don't know if, like, the they're putting the episodes on. I didn't look at the air dates that Hulu might list either. I didn't look at it that closely. Like, maybe these were aired in a different order than, like, they were, dis- like, they were written in. 
I don't because I didn't start Maybe. watching the show until like season four, like halfway through season four. They did a weird thing where season four, where, where most of these seasons are like, it's 13 episodes, it's 13 episodes, it's 13 episodes. Season four was 16 episodes divided into two eight episode, like mini seasons, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So I started on that second half of season four and like the airing order and my DVDs matched each other. But before that, I hadn't really been watching it. So I don't know okay. if like there were things airing out of order compared to the DVDs before that. Okay. Gotcha. I think, oddly, I also really liked the episode with the ghost of Abraham Lincoln. Really? I I, I don't know why, because I feel like that's one of the ones that's most just like, let's kind of ignore all the lore we've made yeah. for the most part. There are some, you know, there's some returning characters and stuff, but it, it's it's like, let's... Let's just kind of go over here and have an adventure mm. over here. And it's not dealing with kind of the overall stuff. I just like because it is one of those things, despite it being in its own corner, we get to see the return of the like astronaut character. Bud Manstrong. Yeah, Buzz or <laughs> Bud Manstrong. Um, we, we get to see the return of him. He's being recognized as a hero uh we get to see like at the end of the episode that that's when jj comes in and kind of saves that day by figuring out the force field or at least i think he does um yeah like there's lore in there Mm -hmm. but it seems so just off in its own yeah world and it's but it, it's also one that doesn't really rely o- on, hey, here's the Fantastic Four. Yeah, that one is a lot less like pop culture spoof in it. Yeah. So I, it's, it's weird because I liked it for that of like, oh, they're making up their own thing here. Um, but then it's also like it feels strange because it's not relying on mm. pop culture stuff. Yeah. I I don't think that episode is like super well regarded and like so you watch all the show on Hulu I really recommend seeking out the DVDs because the creator commentary on this is so much fun it's on a handful of episodes in season one and then every episode season two onward and I think they talk about how like that episode like it kind of came together late. They felt kind of rushed with it. Like they weren't able to put out like the best script that they wanted to put out and they weren't super happy with it, but it's like, well, you know, there's an episode filled. We need to do something, but I do love the joke that, um, the ghost of Abraham Lincoln can control things. He's invisible. He's just sort of like a ghostly voice. His he face can, on them. Yeah, he can t- control things in his image. So they like paper mache like bills all over him, and like, <laughs> like he's covered in penny armor, and yeah. that's how we can walk around and have like a physical form. Which is like the kind of gag that I want to t- see. Like this mm-hmm. is their own character. Yeah, pretty much like they're making up someone entirely new. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know that Abe Lincoln was a real person. <laughs> um, he's in the public domain. Right. But he's like he's not a pop culture reference the same way yeah. that Johnny Quest is. And mm-hmm. so to to see them t- turn him into this 
oddball character, like mm-hmm. almost pseudo superhero type of thing, is really cool. Yeah, like, I I I like. They they have great ideas. They have this knack to turn these kind of forgotten characters into brand new things, but I don't think they do it that often with all new characters. Well, I mean, I I should take hate that back because a lot of the characters are like all new characters, mm-hmm. but. He's a reference in a different way. Yeah. Like more of a pastiche. I, I, I feel like I'm speaking nonsense. No, I get it. Like there are characters that are just sort of like pastiches of things or there's whole cloth characters. Like there's nobody out there like Billy Quizboy and Pete White. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. there are characters like, you know, Professor Richard Impossible where it's like, you're just Reed Richards. Like you're just him. Yeah. Um. So I'm seeing this on Wikipedia. I'm mm. sure you've listened to all of the commentaries on your DVDs and stuff. But apparently, uh, in the commentary for the episode Home Insecurity, uh, Hammer and Public elaborated on the theme of failure. Yes. As a recurring theme in this show. And I, I've, I haven't read all of the stuff that's on that's on here, but... That makes sense. Yeah, that is... Like, it's all of these forgotten characters that are now jaded, and mm. they just they suck at what they do. <laughs> They're failures, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I kind of like that. W- w- what's your thoughts on, on that? I think that's absolutely true, and there's another quote from Doc Hammer somewhere that I could find in my old Tumblr blog where he says, like, the world is a perfect cartoon adventure and it's populated by messy people. Like Mm -hmm. they could be having these grand perfect adventures, but they're all just like so many pitfalls and failures and flaws and hangups that like nothing comes together. Nothing works. He's like, that's the joke of the series. That's the major joke of it for us. Like these incredibly flawed characters in this shiny, perfect adventure world. Right. And they do talk a lot about the beauty of failure. How, like, even in being, like, a flaming wreck of a human being, there's some element of, like, beauty and grace and authenticity to that. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, again, I'm thinking back to my theory Mm. of, like, what if the venture... Burroughs refers to Rusty and the monarch. Yeah. And when, like, the family split or something, because you, you never really see the mother, the, like, Rusty's mom, or at least I don't think we've seen. Uh, no, no. I will, I will yet, say so. this, that there's the question of who is Hank and Dean's mom, that comes up a lot. Yes. We, but the question we of- saw one episode with that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the question of who is rusty's mom never really gets addressed rusty does not talk about his mom or his absence of a mom so that's a whole side the family we know nothing about interesting because because like i'm i'm thinking like what if the family split because of all the adventuring and Mm -hmm. like uh 
he got one kid and the mom got one kid and the one that that got the mom grew up to be the monarch because he wanted to be the adventurer but then rusty who like didn't want to be there at all is now the like jaded i i now have to be the adventurer and Mm. stuff like that and so that's why they're arch rivals but they split so young that maybe Mm. they didn't know that they were brothers or something like that i don't know but like that that would i think also speak to the theme of failure yeah because maybe rusty considered himself a failure or Mm. his father maybe considered him a failure because he wasn't as much of an adventurer as he Mm -hmm. would like him to be or as as capable and then there's monarch wanting or potentially wanting to be this adventurer and failing thus becoming a super villain which Mm -hmm. maybe he doesn't see it that that's adventuring in in its own way. Like he is actually getting to do all of this stuff and travel as he's trying to follow and hunt down Dr. Venture and stuff like that. I I, 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 I don't know if that will come true or not, but I, I, I think things are at least coming together in my mind of like, yeah, I, I know where I would take this show. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. I, this is what I appreciate about, appreciate about the show is that it is just so comedic and so goofy, but also there is this layer of there is so much pathos here behind mm-hmm. everything if they choose to tap into it. They could tell this really grand emotional story that potential yeah. is always there. Yeah. I mean, like, they could... I even explore more on Hank and Dean as colognes. Like, what happened to the original ones? Like, let, yeah. let's find that story out. I think we, at least in the, uh, there have been seven seasons. I've only watched the first six. When we watch seven season seven, that will be my first time seeing it as well. Cool. We haven't seen the first time, the first time the boys died. And like, what gotcha. that put Rusty through. So I yeah, would, that's been a story I mean, I've always wanted to see. Like, yeah, that that could be a potential thing of like, hey, I have raised these boys and I have failed them because they mm. died on this adventure that we went on. Um, and I'll never shit, fail them to, again. Now <laughs> I need to clone them. <laughs> There's a line that I don't know if it's in the show or not but it's printed on like the dvd box for season two it's this illustration of like dr venture kind of looking real sassy over his shoulder like real smarmy Mm. real smug and it's labeled in his speed suit yeah in his speed suit (laughs) and there's this text next to it that says love never blows up and gets killed which is (laughs) okay (laughs) which is i think the oh that's like the slogan of the whole series for me interesting okay good stuff mm-hmm. i don't know if i have much more to say on seasons one and two without continuing to speculate and just and yeah stuff like that um 
it's gonna be interesting talking about seasons two and three uh three and four uh, yeah my bad three and four um and how how we're gonna end up building on this conversation here yeah Um, or the length of the conversation I imagine they would get longer because there is these shows start to become a lot more dense with like really great jokes and really great character building and like important pieces of lore. Yeah, there's there's still some characters that we didn't really talk about in this one. Maybe we Mm -hmm. will in the next one. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else you wanted to mention and bring up um i will say that this show it is a comedy show and comedy is always like very much of its time and so coming from like 2004 2006 it's socially a little rough around the edges i think the longer that slightly racist at times yeah like there's all these like stereotypical characters that are playing off like the stereotypical characters from everything that the show is spoofing on. Like Johnny Quest mm-hmm. had the same stereotype, so we carry this through because it's a Johnny Quest spoof. Or like, oh, socially the thing does start to like have those rough edges sanded off as just time progresses. And the show yeah. does get like, oh, a little bit more conscious of things like that. This is always something I'm worried about because like I love the show and like I think it's a great rewarding watch. But to get the most out of it, you do have to go back to these, like, 2004 episodes that are, like, the comedy doesn't always hit, and it's a little slower, and you don't really get, like, why this is so great yet. But I'm like, no, you have to watch the whole thing. You have to see, like, that one guy pop up in the garage sale episode to see where he shows up in season five. Yeah. Like, I think watching the entirety of this thing is so rewarding, but I'm always concerned that, like, I'll try and explain that to somebody and they'll give it a shot and they're like i don't see what you're talking about yeah it's i mean that's one of the unfortunate things for pieces of media that Mm. take a while to get going yeah especially if it's a long running one because Mm. earlier seasons then maybe may not have aged well yeah uh or or have some like racist or misogynist mm. jokes in there um and it, it, yeah it, it's it, it's it's like well yeah you kind of have to put up with that stuff i know it's not yeah. good but please just grit your teeth and bear it i promise it gets better like i love uh, the show but i do feel like there is an element of me waving my hand saying like just stick with it i promise i promise it gets better yeah i promise I mean, as, there's something as, there as long as you can recognize that and, yeah. and be like hey some of this stuff is not good just yeah aware of of that then i then i i think not that it is palatable but i think it mm-hmm. makes it i i think it helps people just to know what they're getting into yeah it's like hey like it gets better yeah. i promise <laughs> but you kind of need to watch this stuff too to understand some of the lower mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. history and stuff like that so yeah cool 
Do you want to do recommendations at the end of every one of these episodes like we would normally do on a review show episode? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, maybe the first and last. Okay. I thought we'd try that. All right. Because I'm, I'm, I could probably recommend some stuff now, but then mm-hmm. I want to see like how that changes at the yeah. end of the show. Yeah, that'd be nice. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I think you have to go more like the modern day Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Like, yes. You have to go back to all of the stuff that they're pulling from, of just like, hey, here's, uh, Scooby-Doo, here's, uh, Johnny Quest. They should remake Johnny there was i read like this article years ago that robert rodriguez was going to do a johnny quest movie which sounds amazing and i've heard nothing about that so i don't know if that dissolved or got stuck in development hell or what but message from me to you robert rodriguez please still make a johnny quest movie yeah um i would also recommend the quantum and woody yes Yes, that that we we read a while back here on the review show. Um, it is the same type of thing where they are spoofing on superhero yeah. comics and pop culture stuff. Uh, there are there, there there's like jokes in there that are very irreverent and also maybe not have aged as yeah. well as they could have. Um, but there's multiple quantum and woody series since valiant comics has kind of relaunched all of their stuff so it's continued and i think it's gotten better it's of that same type Mm -hmm. of like irreverent comedy yes if that makes sense. and like the joke i referenced earlier where somebody's talking to jefferson twilight like see you hunt african-american vampires and he's like i go around the whole world that's not a term everywhere you can say just hunt black vampires i hunt blackulas this is what i do like that same sort of like pedantic like well uh, really you should say it like this like that same tone of humor like that same style of like nailing down on very precise wording is the same style of humor that quantum and woody has yeah um if if you want to take that a step further and be even more irreverent, mm. I would say go watch Black Dynamite. Mm. Uh, the movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, I think they made a cartoon. I think it was also on Adult Swim, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Uh, I haven't seen the cartoon, but I've seen the movie, and yeah, it is. It's spoofing on the like seventies black exploitation stuff. Mm. Here's the like black martial artist he- hero that can get all the ladies and do all that sort of stuff it's it's hilarious um but that i think that's even like a step further and like more <laughs> irreverent and yeah. like it yeah <laughs> it, so uh go check out that stuff those are you solid something recommendations else that you would like to recommend i had a friend once describe this show as adult kim possible 
where they're all trying to have sex with each other. And I'm like, that's it. Like, this is now how I pitch the show to other people. I'm like, it's adult Kim possible. Like, think of it like that. It's got that same sense of, uh, the combination of very mundane things and like very outlandish cartoonish thing, things in the sort of regulation of like, how do you live as a supervillain, what is your everyday life like? What is your relationship with your nemesis become after you're seeing each other constantly and like watching each other age? Yeah. Fascinating. I Good would stuff. also say stylistically, uh, mm-hmm. for the mid-century style and also for the sense of superhero dumb and supervillain dumb as the sort of like organized like businessy thing with like rules and regulations and classes and all that the yep. incredibles okay. uh, i watched a lot <laughs> the incredibles was also something i was very into in college yeah i, I mean, was hey, all about like one. mid-century fantastic. takeoffs on super heroic super science adventures yeah that was my aesthetic okay that's good. That's good. I'm tr- trying to open up um, stuff that we are doing for next week. Yeah. Next week, we are doing what uh, you pitched to me at the end of last week's episode. Uh, so this is just sort of injected in the middle of our regular week-by-week cycle. So last week, we watched the horror comedy movie Ready or Not, which was my pick. And then you pitched to me... And I ended up picking the first two volumes of the Lock and Key comics. Correct. Yes. Me, uh, oh, I think I just found it. There it is. I was looking for the Comicsology page, and I was too stubborn to actually type in Comicsology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Lock and Key is a comic book by Joe Hill with art uh, by Gabriel Rodriguez, I believe is his name. Um, and it's, it's a fantastic, really imaginative horror book, but it's again, horror in a really imaginative character driven way. It's not, uh, it's not a slasher or, Mm -hmm. or, or stuff like that. Um, it's, it's written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Mm. So if you're a fan of Stephen King, this might be something you would also want to check out. Um, but it is, I think, as you m- mentioned, soon to be a Netflix show. Yeah. I'm excited to watch the show. So I pitched this uh, so we could uh, do it basically in tandem of like, hey, if you guys want some more lock and key stuff, here mm-hmm. it is. So uh, the acclaimed blah, 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 lock and key written by blah, blah, blah. Where is <laughs> this stuff? Lock and key tells of key house. An unlikely New England mansion with fantastic doors that transform all who dare to walk through them. And home to a hate-filled and relentless creature that will not rest until it forces open the most terrible door of them all. Check it out. Uh, This is all on Comixology Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're only going to check out the first two volumes this next week. Um, but there is more of it on there for you to check. I think all of it is on there. You can just oh, go nice. read all of Lock and Key if this is something that you guys liked um, cool. and want to check out. But that's what we'll be up to next week. Nice. 
for more Venture Brothers stuff. Yeah. We'll see you at the end of February. Yeah. So that episode, I suppose, if we record it the last Sunday, that would be releasing uh, on the 26th of February. Okay. Perfect. Literally a month mm-hmm. now in number wise. Wow. I, 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 that was not, it's not literally a month, but <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. 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 We're recording this on the on Sunday, the twenty sixth mm-hmm. of January. So that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, cool, M- Melissa. Where can the people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Wilkywit. That's W I L K Y W I T. You guys can find me at Yo Kyle Springer on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to stay up to date with our shows, we are at the Whatnots on Twitter. Uh, we mentioned our website, thewhatnots.com, our Patreon, patreon.com slash thewhatnots. Go like, share, subscribe, do all of that stuff. Uh, we would absolutely love your giga guys' support mm-hmm. on all of that stuff. Uh, cool. I think that wraps us up then for Venture Bros Part 1. Yes. I'm excited to continue this journey down the road. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.